This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong and you're tuned in to Banan, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. This week on the program, we head to the world of Formula E, the electric alternative to the motorsports juggernaut. A series sanctioned by the FIA and on to its ninth season now, the mission for this one-of-a-kind racing series was to race through the streets of the most iconic cities in the world to show what sustainable mobility is capable of and bringing awareness to how driving electric vehicles can make for a better, cleaner future. While the cars are not as fast as Formula 1 or NASCAR, each racing team must develop sustainable building techniques and materials as well as battery recycling process. Every moment from when the car is put together to when it's taken apart will be scrutinised rather than just the powertrain and its emissions. And while the sport is still miles away from contesting the historic Formula 1 series, Formula E has been coexisting as an alternative, especially as advances in technology allow its cars to catch up with speed and acceleration of gasoline-powered vehicles. With Formula E Gen 3 set to be introduced next season, that's bound to be a spike in worldwide and mainstream attention. Recently, I had the opportunity to head to Seoul, South Korea for the inaugural E Prix to fully explore what Formula E had to offer. I also spoke to a couple of main players at Jaguar TCS Racing, a Formula E team who at that time were fighting for the championship. Their number one driver is Kiwi Mitch Evans, who has a connection to Malaysia. He was the youngest GP2 driver at the age of 18 to stand on the podium in Serpang. We kickstart the conversation with his memories from Malaysia. Um, to be honest, I've, I've mixed uh, memories of, um, of Malaysia, and I tell you why, because I, well, one, I was the, the, good, the good one, I was on the podium in my first race in, um, in GP2 back in 2013. Um, which was a great start to my GP2 career. Unfortunately, the bad side, I had really bad food poisoning. Yeah. yeah. You so, I had like some uh, some calamari, <laughs> and um, it was not good calamari. And I was in like a bad way for the whole weekend, and I had to take a lot of medicine to not uh, so I could actually race and drive. But on top of that, I was able to get the, the podium. Um, so yeah, mixed memories. But uh, yeah, let's say some good ones with um, the on-track stuff was was good to do. Very tough conditions, so humid, um, so hot. Uh, it was really challenging. But uh, yeah, it's a long time ago now. Yeah, a long time ago. Have you been back ever since? I've been back since. So uh, I've been to Malaysia twice. Um, once to you know, not to race, but one, and then one time to race as well. So maybe maybe I'll be back soon. Yeah. Hopefully you don't have some calamari when you, yeah, next yeah, time I'm you get back. Uh, you've been with Jaguar since 2016. Um, maybe how do you feel uh, since you debuted? Uh, how has the team been progressing so far? Yeah, I've been with the team since the start, back uh, since the uh, end of um, end of 16. And um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a tough start to be honest. The first season was 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 difficult. We were a very young team. Um, and we started the program quite late, and then yeah, every year we've like, been making really good progress um, since probably like you know 2000 and end of 2017, start of 2018, we started to become like really um, strong, uh, strong contenders. And every year since season five, we've been battling for the championship. So um, yeah, the team's been doing a really good job, making you know getting better every year, um, getting stronger. We've got a really good bunch of. Uh, 
guys and girls um, that come to the track, but also back in the factory in the UK. So uh, yeah, and, and I've been with them since the start, so it's very much like home for me. And um, hopefully we can, uh, and we've been doing some good good things together, good good success, but um, we still want more. I want to talk a little bit about um, Gentry now. Gentry set to debut next season. Uh, you tried it in Monaco for a little bit. How do you feel about it and how do you feel about uh, the new era of cars next year? Yeah, I've, not, I've actually not driven it yet, but um, I've, I've obviously seen it. Uh, my, my teammate has, has driven the car, but yeah, it's a big big step up in terms of, um, let's say, power performance. A lot, a lot of um, big differences in terms of the technology. Um, there's now a four-wheel regen, uh, still rear-wheel drive, but four-wheel regen, uh, which changes things a lot. Um, yeah, we're still, I'm still yet to taste it and, and see what it's going to be like. The racing may change a bit, um, but yeah, the, the whole sort of concept is going to be relatively similar, but also very different at the same time. So, um, and yeah, generally, I think uh, it uh, should be a, hopefully a very good step forward for the championship. Sure. I want to talk a bit about you know, the last race of season, last two in South Korea. Now you won the inaugural race uh, in Jakarta just just last back. Um, tell us a little bit about that win. Yeah, it was a good win. Um, very tough conditions, very hard to manage um, physically, technically as well with the tyres, the battery temp, um, and strategy as well during the race was, was difficult. But uh, yeah, we, we did a really strong race, um, starting on, on, on third and then making my way to the front. Um, and yeah, managed to win that race, which is the first race that we had in, in Jakarta. So uh, yeah, quite a very good victory for us. Um, something that we will be aiming to achieve this weekend in, in Seoul. Great stuff. Um, talk a bit about Formula E now. Um, do you feel that the, the sport is growing in popularity now that there are more commercial cars on the road? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's growing every year. As we see the automotive industry um, as well, you know, there's a lot more EVs on the roads. Um, so I think this is going to continue to grow. And hopefully, you know, coincide with, with Formula E getting bigger and bigger, um, becoming more, even more relevant. And, um, yeah, so I think this is obviously a very good place to be. Um, we're coming to different cities, different uh, continents, different parts of the world. So, um, and obviously just trying to spread the awareness of, of electric vehicles and obviously the championship. So, um, yeah, but it's good to see there's more EVs coming on the road. Um, I see a few Jaguars on the, on the road around here in Seoul, which is good to see as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of being around the globe, Mitch, um, what's your favorite circuit in terms of your driving style um, and your setup uh, in this season's Jaguar? Yeah, uh, hopefully in Seoul will, will suit me well, but um, yeah, tracks that are like very tight, twisty, um, a lot of bumps uh, I seem to prefer. Um, yeah, like track like Rome, we, we've had really good, really good success at um, over, the, over the years. And um, yeah, I think we we uh, yeah have shown that we've been good there. So probably a track like Rome, where there's a lot of surface changes, uh, a lot of corners flown in, into each other. To be honest, kind of similar to to here in Seoul. Um, you know, really like uh, like a raw street track where we're racing literally around the streets of uh, you know what we're you know the normal uh, you know public you're driving on every day. So um, those are the ones I like the most. Uh, I I really enjoy Monaco as well as an event and as a track. Um, but to be honest, most of the tracks we race on are pretty, pretty good, pretty challenging, um, which is what we want. Great stuff. Last question: You've competed in a bunch of uh, series in your career so far. In terms of driving, what differentiates um, Formula E from from the rest of the series? Yeah, Formula E is a lot different in many ways. Obviously, the technology brings um, a different element. Um, you know, we've got just driving the car is a lot different with the regeneration and the in the rear axle. 
Uh, obviously, the instant talk that we we have with the electric power is is very um, very powerful, um, and also in the races we do energy savings. So we're we're trying to consume energy to make it to the finish. We're in other categories, it's not so not so important. You know, with uh, fuel saving, there's some categories that have this, but it's not so. It's more like looking after the tires. But uh, yeah, Formula is is a really challenging championship. Obviously, the com- competition is so high um, from uh, teams and drivers and. Um, the technology, yeah, we're learning all the time, but um, there's many differences. But they, at the end of the day, it's a race car. We try and drive it as fast as possible. That was Mitch Evans, driver for Jaguar TCS Racing, who won the penultimate race in the sole double header, which is his fourth victory in 16 rounds of the season. But ultimately, couldn't do enough in the final race to prevent former F1 driver Stoffel Van Dorn of Belgium from taking the world title, and Mitch ended up second in the Formula E Championships. You're tuned in to Barnan, and behind every driver is a team of engineers, mechanics, and strategists. For Jaguar TCS, the orchestrator, if you will, is Britt Phil Charles, who's the technical manager of the team. A big change for Gen 3 next year is the introduction of pit stops in Formula E for recharging, but we kickstarted the conversation by his thoughts on the season that was so far. Uh, we've, had, we've had a really good season. Um, Form- Formula E is super, super competitive and uh, we're really pleased that coming into this last two races that Mitch has got a really good chance still to, to win the championship. It's, it's, a, it's a fair points gap, but not one that's impossible. There's a 36-point uh, gap at the moment, but there's 50-something, 58 points available this weekend. So um, we're really pleased. We've come through a year where we've had some really strong races, some fantastic wins. Um, we've had our lows, as all the teams have, and Formula E is so, so competitive that you have to expect that. But uh, we're really pleased. We're right in the fight as you come into the come into this final two races. So, um, yeah, it's really good, really good. Of course, we want to win all the races and we want to come in already having won the championship. But the reality is this championship is so tough that that's a really big ask to do that now. So I'm um, really pleased the Jaguar TCS Racing Team all the way through the year have operated really well. Um, we've made good decisions on the whole. Most of the time we've raced really well, good strategy. The drivers have overtaken amazingly. If you look at our overtake stats through the season, our drivers have got super, super race performance. Um, so yeah, really pleased. Really pleased. Um, I'm speaking about next year. Gentry set to come in, and one big aspect of your job would kind of change in a way. You know, pit stops will now be allowed for recharge. Uh, how would that affect team strategy overall? Uh, so uh, re- recharging in the race is a super interesting step in the technology to be able to take on 3.85 kilowatt hour in 30 seconds that's a big charge you know around 600 kilowatt charge so first of all the technology for me I'm super interested in so you asked me about the strategy that's another aspect the, the technology wow cool that's really cool um, in terms of the racing and the strategy that's a different question um, the form- formula uh, in itself uh, over the over the last couple of years the racing has been super super exciting lots of lots of overtake you've seen quite often topsy-turvy grids because the qualifying the cars are quite tricky then you go into the race there's lots of strategy this is now a new aspect so as teams we'll have to learn very quickly what we do um, there'll, be a, there'll be a window where we take the pit stop there'll be a certain amount of, uh, of, of usage, usage of an attack mode associated with recharging in that range so suddenly there's this new aspects that we'll all have to learn about honest answer right now there's lots and lots of simulation going on we don't know exactly what the best scenario will be the best solution will be we've got to do lots of work lots of really clever guys and girls back in the factory doing lots of simulation and then we'll come out and then we'll start to practice we'll use use the charges early on in the test uh, window that we've got and then we'll start to look at the race strategy in more detail so lots of interesting work still to do uh, and should be really really cool um phil your job requires you to think on your feet uh, making impromptu yet calculated decisions right uh, you mentioned that you watch two movies at the same time on the flight two two races just to get the 
um, in, in a way more info as much as you can right uh, bring us through a day to day of um, what you do here at Jaguar yeah so that's something that um, people find quite interesting that I, I listen to two movies for me that's just a basic thing that I have to do I have to take in information from two cars so in my position I'm, I'm sat on a we call it the, the engineers island in the garage and next to me is one car crew and the other side is the other car crew yeah. and each of those guys they're getting information come in they're trying to process that as quick as they can and make decisions for the car my job sat between those two is to help them when they when they can't make the final decision or to link the two together so quite often Mitch on one car could have tried something and it works and then we want to pass that on to the other car which is normally Sam or this weekend Norman we need to pass that across or vice versa maybe they test something on this car that makes it a big step forward right we want Mitch to get that as soon as we can so so that passing of information that's a big part of, of what I do is bringing the people together and communication is key we have to work in a really uh, fast-paced environment but you have to keep the communication really clear and concise and pass it across the people lots of really clever engineers but if they all don't communicate with each other and they work on their own it's not as good a result as if you can pull together a big group of them so that's that's the first thing and then in terms of setting the cars up there's lots of things that, that we do right from, back from the design of the car. So, so my job at the track is about running the car as best we can to optimise around, around the circuit, around the conditions. But actually our job starts two years ago when we first designed the car. We have to work out what conditions it's going to have to work around. Did we anticipate it being 28 degrees and possibly raining really hard here in Seoul? Is it cold somewhere in, let's say, England or Rome? We have to look at the big scenario all the scenarios out there the big range of conditions and work out the best racing car that we could put together and that's in design and setup so so that's really the exciting bit for me is technology the design bringing all that together trying to optimize around a range of scenarios and then when you get here the last little bit getting the best out of the the vehicle that you've made great stuff i'm going a bit into detail about formula e i want to talk about fan boost um as much as it's a unique aspect to the sport definitely brings the fans closer to 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 the race it also had its critics right saying oh it's just a popularity contest of sorts um what are your thoughts on this Wow, well, I think your first bit, um, I, I personally think it's super exciting that the fans at home can have an impact on our race. Um, in the last couple of events, we've used the fan boost to a big advantage in the race. Mitch, Mitch has used it to position himself to overtake somebody. So for me, that's an amazing thing. Isn't that fantastic that you can sit at home, push a button, and suddenly our race car can, can do something that, that it couldn't do before. So to an extent, um, there is a bit of popularity because it's being voted on. But isn't that a wonderful thing that you've got that impact? It's such a unique thing, I think, in motorsport that as fans that we can that we can partake in the race I think that's brilliant um, the critics very tricky I, I guess they're looking at this popularity bit yes but um, but over time you're an exciting driver they become popular so isn't that a good thing too you're helping the guys that, that are doing something cool so for me it's it's, it's a good thing it's a win-win a win-win, win-win. If you yeah um, with the world moving rapidly to EVs to electric cars do you see Formula E getting more popular in terms of mainstream success I really hope so I think Formula E was so good to get on that technology early um, we've now done four inverters with silicon carbide uh, switching material inside. That's super, super advanced technology for the EV world. So we've been pioneering the technology that your road car that you're now buying is starting to use. So we're really proud of that. And we want to see you guys driving around in technology that we developed here. In the, I call it the racing laboratory, rolling laboratory. We're the fastest laboratory because we're racing each other under pressure. We're developing that technology really cool. And then you get it in your road car. Well, I hope now as a, as a fan, you watch it on TV and go, ah, oh, my bit of Jaguar is now winning the race as well so you get more excited so for, for us to grow the championship I see it as only fantastic we're on this fantastic wave of technology that's, that's going at such a rate we're improving and changing the technology unbelievable in, in my years of being an engineer I've never seen anything move so quickly that's happening right now and you get to be connected to it by watching our racing and being involved in our racing that for me is brilliant it's, it's just super cool that your Jaguar that you drive next week 
around the streets, you can say, ah, my Jaguar, my bits of Jaguar inside of there that developed the one I've got now are also beating these other cars on the racetrack. That for me is just awesome. Really, really cool. That was Phil Charles, the technical manager of Jaguar TCS Racing. All things Formula E this episode and coming up we check in with the boss and team principal of Jaguar TCS. Stay tuned, my name is Daryl Ong and this is Pa Nun on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong and you tune in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. All things Formula E this week, as we've been talking to one of the top teams in the motorsport series, Jaguar TCS Racing. Team principal of Jaguar TCS is James Barclay, who has been with the team since 2015 and under his tutelage has overseen the growth of Jaguar TCS into a race-winning team thanks to their first Formula E win at Rome in April 2019, which is Jaguar's first international motorsport victory since 1991. He speaks to me on the program as we explore how Formula E has been growing during the better part of the decade and also on Jaguar's plans for a more sustainable electric future. This final era of the Generation 2 of Formula E has been a, has been a really exciting season. You know, we've been, I would say, fighting within the kind of championship league group for, for most of the season, which is, which is fantastic. You know, after last season finishing second in the championship, our goal has been to be fighting again for this championship, and, and that's where we've been. Some real highlights, if I look at... Races like Rome, you know, the only the third time in history that a team and driver combination have won both races in a weekend. The the first, winning the inaugural race in Jakarta uh, was a really kind of really exciting moment for the team as well. Uh, seeing Mitch come out on top of the field that first time among 60,000 fans was a really really great experience. And then fantastic podiums, you know, in in places like like Monaco um, and um, and and just being able to uh, to write some of these next chapters of our success as a team has been a really positive year now clearly it's good we're here in Seoul which is in contention for the title albeit Stoffel van Dorn has a bit of a gap you know it's still we're in contention for the title and that's what's important um, and yeah we are, we're coming into this final weekend really with the goal of trying to do everything we can um, and we feel a little bit like the pressure is not on us the pressure is obviously on yeah, we'd rather we're hunting, not the hunted, and that uh, that suits us coming to this weekend. Yeah, hopefully more good memories after this weekend in South Korea. Right? Talking a bit about Gentry, um, how how you feel about um, Gentry coming in next season? Yeah, we're we're very excited. I mean, it's a it's an all new era of, of Formula E. Uh, the car is uh, lighter, more efficient. Uh, we have more power than ever before. So it's a, technically it's a real challenge. Uh, featuring what is exciting things like 600 kilowatt fast charging for the first time is a really um, exciting development for, for, for the series, for the championship. Um, so the car represents technically a lot of really, I would say, complexities as a team and across the field that we all need to get onto. And whoever adapts quickest to that will, will, will take an advantage into the early races next season. But this is such a high quality field that we have no doubt that before long it's going to be incredibly close. But yeah, it's, um, we're ready for that next step now. And um, the new car represents a really exciting new era. Um, with the world moving more and more into EVs, into electric cars, do you see Formula E picking up um, in terms of popularity? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the future's clear, right? And you look at Paris Climate Change Convention in 2015, started to set out the deadlines by which you know, internal combustion engine cars would be manufactured. In many markets, that's 2030. And, and what is great about Formula E is as a sport, it's a, you know, we are creating a tier one sport, pure on its pure sporting integrity. We have a fantastic spectacle of of talent, of technology, which is exciting. Um, 
But at the heart of it, we also have a technology which is only going to become more relevant. And that's clear. If you look at how mobility is shifting in the future, the predominance of, of cars we drive, vehicles we drive, will be battery electric. And Formula E is a showcase of what that technology is capable of, both from a performance point of view, a technology point of view, but importantly from a sustainability point of view. So you know, Formula E's mantra, which is driving sustainable human progress through the power of electric racing, is absolutely clear. Um, and we think for audiences and fans around the world, that's only become more relevant. And I, I use example, younger kids that are coming into driving age, they, their, their options are going to be more focused towards electric vehicles in future in terms of the cars they drive. And therefore, the sport in motorsport they follow will be what's relevant to the cars they drive. So future-proofed, absolutely, I think it is. And, you know, we've seen, great, we've seen the sport continuing to grow. We're here in Seoul for the first time. We were in Jakarta earlier this year. Next year, we'll be going to Sao Paulo um, and, and new cities that are, are looking confirmed for the calendar there next year. India and Hyderabad is a major one. So the championship is evolving. We're going to new cities. But at the heart of it, this relevance of the technology and the powertrain is absolutely only moving more into the bullseye. And definitely more money coming into uh, the sport as well, right? Talking a bit about uh, investment, uh, tell us about this partnership um, Jaguar has with TCS. Yeah, I mean, the, firstly, we're really honoured to have TCS as a title partner, you know, a, a global company with such huge pedigree. Um, and for us, it's we share a common goal, right? TCS are the experts in that tron- transition and supporting that transition and businesses adopting technology for the future. And in the case of mobility, there's a massive shift and they're a key part of enabling companies to make that shift, but also a key part of making companies um, uh, drive towards a more technology-driven future. So for them and for us, it's a really kind of real clear synergy. But also TCS, they have incredible capability at a software level in particular, which allows us to look at how we're operating as a team and allow us to, to become even faster and more competitive. So it's a perfect scenario for us. We have a, a title partner who can help us as a team go faster, but at the same time can use this as a perfect metaphor, a perfect example of how they are, can enable companies to, to, to transform and change for, for the future, especially with a technology-rich future. Great stuff. Uh, James, I'll talk to you a little bit about your background. You were surrounded by motor racing since you were young. You were even a, a marshal back in South Africa, right? And then you moved to the UK. Bring us through a little bit of the day-to-day behind uh, your role here at, at Jaguar. Yeah, so my role is really kind of being, being a bit like a conductor of an orchestra, right? Um, I don't play the instruments, but I, I, my job is to make sure we have all the right instruments playing the right tune at the right time to deliver the best performance. Um, and my role is making sure that we have the best talent, that the people we have are really going to be able to fulfill their capability to their, their full potential, and ensuring that as a team that we are investing and focusing our investments and our focus in the right areas to ultimately deliver performance, both performance on and performance off track as well. You know, we, we want to be a great sporting team that fans resonate with and want to enjoy following, but we also want to be a team on track that's winning, and it's kind of finding that balance of the two, and that's my job to kind of bring that performance, that technical requirement with a commercial reality altogether uh, as well, because that's uh, sustainable. From my, from my point of view, I'm one hand, I'm overseeing our performance element, but at the same time, making sure we're sustainable from a commercial point of view. So, yeah, that's kind of my, my broader my broader responsibility, but I love it. It's uh, absolutely in my blood, as you say. Um, I started out in the sport many years ago. Uh, it's what I've driven to, to be involved in. It's a way of life, not a job, I always say. Um, and, it, you know, for me, the rewarding factor when we do well is we have incredible technical partners. We have incredible... Um, with Williams Advanced Engineering, we have incredible people involved in the team and the roles that they do. Uh, and my job is when the team does well, is to step back and actually see how 
happy and how rewarded the individuals are for their contribution, for their efforts, right? That's, that's the most rewarding thing for someone in my role. Stuff. Uh, James, you also played a big part in getting the Jaguar I-Pace eTrophy series uh, off the ground, which is the world's first all-electric production international uh, race series, uh, unfortunately cancelled during the pandemic. Any plans to bring it back? So yeah, the eTrophy was a fantastic, um, I would say, a fantastic world's first. We still are the only car manufacturer that's developed a single-make all-electric production car racing championship that's travelled globally. Um, so I'm really proud of what we and the team achieved. You know, it's the same small group of people that are involved in our Formula E program that helped put that whole thing on, a world tour with the iPace. So, yeah, something I'm, we're all very proud of. Um, we only plan to run that for a period of time, though, anyway. And, yeah, really, unfortunately, with the pandemic, all racing stopped for a period of time, and that was due to be our last season anyway with the E-Trophy. So it's a, it's a, a chapter of our, our time which we've, we've delivered. Uh, we've closed that chapter. And we look forward to the next exciting potential opportunity as well, alongside what we do informally. So for us, it's um, yeah, something we're proud of. And I think we kind of led the way. And I'm sure many others will follow in our footsteps uh, at some point. I'm surprised no one's got there yet. But I think it shows you the size of that achievement. And when we did it was huge. Because if it was easy, there'd be many others doing it. And they're not there yet. Uh, great stuff. Last question. Uh, Jaguar has the target of becoming a pure electric luxury brand from 2025. Uh, tell us a little bit about this vision. Yeah, absolutely. As a company, we're here involved in Formula E. We're the first premium manufacturer to commit to Formula E when Jaguar confirmed its entry in 2016. And we said our competitors would follow us into Formula E, and they all did. Over that period of time, BMW, Audi, Mercedes, Porsche, they all joined us in this amazing championship. Um, but it was always kind of, for us back in 2016, we were about to launch the new Jaguar I-Pace. And we committed to Formula E rather than any other category of racing because we knew electric vehicles were the future. So fast forward to where we are now, and we announced our reimagined strategy, which is almost taking the, the, the seed of where we were in 2016, and as a company fully committing to electrification. So Jaguar become, becoming an all-electric modern luxury brand from 2025 is a really clear statement of our intent for the future. A lot of our competitors are, are following. You know, we're seeing a lot of um, OEMs confirming by 2030 they'll shift to full electrification. But for us, for Jaguar, we feel it's the right time with the right size and with the right organization to, to make that, that immediate shift to electrification. So an exciting time for Jaguar and this incredible brand's history. What's great is that formerly is at the, the heart of that as our race team that committed six years ago to electrification as the kind of proving ground. And our goal is to also bring technologies developed on the racetrack to the road. That's really kind of an important element for us to why we race. Um, and at the same time, yeah, it all supports our wider vision reimagined vision for Jaguar Landro, which is also to be net carbon zero by 2039. So, yeah, aggressive targets, but ones we feel are relevant and right for the future. That was James Barclay, team principal of Jaguar TCS Racing. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's Bar None. If you'd like to revisit the interviews we did on today's program, you can head over to our website, www.bfm.my forward slash bar none. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can tweet us. We're at BFM Radio. My name's Daryl Ong, and this has been Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week, only here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.